Hello, everyone. You've tuned in to Reminisce with Ryan Reed. We're talking about education, health, wealth, and all the events that make us whole. We have Dayton Boyd on the line with us today, and he's going to talk with us about perseverance in the unknown territory. Dayton, can you just introduce yourself and tell the people a little bit about you and why the topic of perseverance in an unknown territory resonates with you? Okay, good afternoon, the people in America. Um, I'm Dayton Boyd. I am located in the city of Philadelphia, state of Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, and it is a pleasure to have been offered the invitation to speak on the podcast this afternoon, and I'd like to thank Ms. Ryan Reed for that opportunity. I have been in education for about five-plus years, and um, for starters, I've completed my uh, Bachelor's of Arts in History, African American Studies at Millersville University. Then I went on to pursue a Master's in Education in Early Childhood uh, from Lincoln University, the Lincoln University, the first degree grading institution here in Pennsylvania. And also, I uh, pursued a second Master's, which is in Educational Leadership. And um, currently, I am a grade three teacher with the School District of Philadelphia and a principal intern. Also, I've had many experiences um, in and out of the classroom. For instance, I worked with universal companies where I was a teacher for grades one and two at Daroff. Samuel Daroff Charter School right here in Philadelphia, and a educator for Mastery Charter School where I was, where my post was uh, Simon Gretz High School, and that was also a awesome experience. And be, and before moving into the um, realm of education, I worked with youth enrichment programs where I was a project manager coordinator, and I looked and researched and um, connected with stakeholders and community members to build a foundation and equitable programming for our young people in the urban community. To discuss the topic of perseverance in an unknown territory, I would say that that topic resonates with me because of my background. And before I move on, I want to highlight Jawanza Kenjufu and a quote from his text, The Conspiracy, The Conspiracy to Destroy Black Boys. And he highlights that genocide, which is a noun, is the deliberate and systematic destruction of a racial, political, or cultural group. And then, to use the word conspiracy, it's used to describe certain aspects of our society in a strong indictment against the social fabric of this country. Mm, and wow, that's powerful. That quote, that definition from his text, 
countering the conspiracy to destroy black boys resonates with me because I wasn't meant to be where I am today. Um, I grew up in the projects of West Philadelphia, and I grew up in a single-parent home. I didn't have a father figure. My father was actually murdered when I was only one years old, and my mom, who had been struggling with her own addictions to substance abuse, had to raise me before I was put under custody for Mm -hmm. my grandmom to raise me. And while I was with my mom, the experiences that I can recall were very, very melancholy and challenging for me. And growing up, it was very difficult. You know, I I was educated in the public school system right here in Philadelphia where, you know, it was counted against me that I wouldn't make it. You know, I was placed in underperforming schools. However, I exceeded beyond the obstacles, and I made it. Not only did I graduate from high school, and not only was I in the Scholars Academy in high school, I made it, and I graduated, and I passed my SAT, I passed my ACT, which afforded me that bridge to be accepted to Millersville University. Mm. However, it was So what do, what do you think it was that gave you that extra push, that extra motivation to to persevere when, you know, you had all the cards stacked against you? Well, you know, I can truly say that the dedicated people who were in my life, like the school counselor, that school librarian at the high school level, my principal, those teachers who undoubtedly had an unwavering fine for me, who believed in me, who saw that spark in me, who said, you know what? we're going to invest in this young man, and we're going to see that he makes it. Let me tell you, even to the point of me having to visit the Millersville University to um, participate in the placement exam, I didn't have anyone to take me in my immediate family. It was my school librarian who took me. When I had to go move into the campus uh, dormitory, experience. It wasn't anyone in my family. The people from my church packed my things up, visited, came to my house, packed my stuff up in a big old Yukon Jeep and drove me up Route 30. And so I'm like, you know what? There were people who knew, who saw that spark and said, you know what? We can't allow this black brother to, you know, die you know, along the wayside. Mm -hmm. So we Mm -hmm. are going to ensure that his success is evident despite with the statistics, despite the the published uh, statistics, despite the conversations and the envy and the jealousy that people have had, despite all the hurt and the heartache that, people have developed 
and, you know, all of the ideas that people have had in terms of not only me but black males in general in terms of, you know, succeeding. And so I said, you know what, I am truly grateful that I have been able to, you know, move and make something of myself and be successful because, as I know, I'm an endangered species. And among the animal and the bird kingdoms, there are certain species classified as endangered by the Department of Interior. And so when I think about that le- that label, endangered, and me persevering into um, uncharted land, you know, this resonates with me because I had to survive. I right. had to develop... I had to develop those survival life. skills. Exactly, mm-hmm. those survival skills needed for me to make it. And, you know, when I think about the point of me being able to survive, it was either sticking it out, focusing, doing what I needed to do to make it out of the urban community right here in Philadelphia, or become extinct, extinct in education, extinct in, in, in the employment world, extinct to my family, my friends, and associates, even to the point of being annihilated and ending mm-hmm. up at 6 and Green Street, never to mm-hmm. come back, or it rose in a maximum or in a maximum security prison. But I made it, not by mm-hmm. any will of myself, but God's the, the community that I have for you are of good success. You know, mm-hmm. and he who holds things together has been the captain of my direction, the captain of my development, the captain for me to continue to inspire and, you know, help others with along this road that I'm taking. Mm. And so how, how, does, how does the Sankofa movement um, play into your decisions that you make now? You know, you, you did what you... Um, were supposed to do. You relied on the community, and the community helped you. So now that you're um, exploring the opportunity to become a leader, to become a principal, how is that impacting your decision-making as a leader in that role? Okay. Well, you know, when we think about the principles of the Nguza Saba, you know, I believe that with that being said, we have to have solutions. And when we think about the problem, okay, it was once quoted that by the year 2000, 70% of all black males will be unavailable to black women. 85% of the African-American children that are placed in special education are African-American males. And approximately... 800,000 African-American males are in the penal 
institutions, and 47% of the penal population is African American, and only 3.5% of college students are African American. And we receive 37% of school suspensions. We have the lowest life expectancy. We have the highest homicide and cancer rates. 31% of African-American males ages 18 to 25 are unemployed. This is a very conservative figure that I've just discussed. And so we think about the causes of this problem. Okay, we have white supremacy, white male supremacy, which then connects to institutional racism in the workplace, institutional racism in our schools. We have a capital-intensive economy. We have drugs. We have the male socialization process. We have the double child-rearing standards among parents. We have parental apathy. We have low teacher expectations. We have a lack of male learning styles. We have negative peer pressure in gangs. We have the lack of positive male, black male role models. And so when we think about this, yeah, how do you do in order that? to how incorporate you... the principles of the Nguza Saba, one, the solutions that I've come to the conclusion to understand is that we have to have a hunger for information. We got to be hungry. We got to have a thirst for, for uh, information. We got to learn how to plug in time and get off the microwave time get off the microwave timer, stop depending on the microwave timer, and realize that things uh, can develop through a process. We got to mm -hmm. be able to put in work, and along with work, it comes that opportunity where you got to plug in that money component. We got to pull up our bootstraps and let go of our egos, let go of our fears, let go of our personal problems, let go of the consequences, and develop a solid faith and a trust resistant to change. You know, we have mm -hmm. to move on and know that our problems can be solved with an individual effort and believe that we can be a role model and inspire our offspring to be who they can be, to be mm -hmm. able to push through. When my students enter my classroom, there is a creed that they say, and it goes like this, we are the future. I choose to be here. I come to school to learn and succeed. I am respectful. I am responsible. This is my class and my school, and I make it shine. Mm, and that so, is, that is so powerful. with that powerful creed, with us changing our mindset, it all goes back to that, that new fairy that we have today. Instead of of uh, entertaining mindset that we use a growth mindset. Mm -hmm, it definitely. relates to the fact that 
we have to, one, when we reflect on the principles of the Nguza Saba, we have to have a rites of passage program for our children. We have to be role models. We have to incorporate mentoring programs, okay? We need to have crime watch groups. We need to have junior business leagues. And with that being said, we need to have a community of men who will work in helping change the dynamics that have been developed within our urban community, mm-hmm. you know. So, so at the end of the day um, and, and at the beginning, we need to focus on community. Um, we need to focus on reaching out to people who've experienced similar situations that we have experienced because it's best when the message comes from someone who's experienced it. And sometimes, you know, other groups can be allies and um, support in the process, but there must be someone at the table who's experiencing it. Otherwise, um, they might not think that the message is authentic. And we need to make sure that we come to every place in an authentic manner in order to impact the positive right. change that you're talking about, to to change the narrative for for everyone, for how people of color are viewed, especially um, African American males, black males in our society. Right. And when we can, when we counter the conspiracy, you know, when I think about the the statement, you know, persevering into unknown territory, it has to be understood that as a black male, we are involved in a cultural struggle, and that culture is more than your music, the the way you dress or the food you eat. It needs to be understood that culture is everything you do, you know. It's your lifestyle. It's which results from the way you perceive yourself within the context of the world. Um, A part of our culture should be the successful transition from boyhood to manhood. And even though I had the, the deck stacked against me, one measure of cultural success that can be defined as securing as a high ratio for me was making that transition from boyhood to manhood. I had to understand that it that I had to develop cultural strategies and changes in my lifestyle to achieve the objectives, the milestones that had been put before me. You know, mm-hmm. I sincerely So how did, that, how did you do how did you do that when you didn't necessarily have the model in your household? Right. Well, I sincerely believe that it took a man to develop me, a young boy growing up, young male adolescent, into a man. And I had those men at the church. You know, I had the pastor, I had the deacon's ministry, I had the men's ministry and so forth. So I had men in my life, but I didn't have that father figure, you know. And Mm -hmm. don't, please do not misquote or misinterpret me, but I did not say a single female parent 
could not develop her son into a man, but Mm -hmm. she does not need to attempt to do such a significant um, act alone. And the act in helping toward my development was not done alone. And I believe with the help of the community, those positive role models, the family, um, television, positive entertainment, I would say, school and church church institutions, um, in concert with the effort between, you know, the male extended family that I had, that helped develop me into the young man that I am today. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I am eternally grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Great. And I just want to say thank you um, for coming and sharing your story with us. Um, you know, a lot of people have to get to a point in their life where they're open about sharing yes. um, things that, that that's happened to them and, and where they're going and not um, take those situations and internalize them for that's who they are forever. But mm-hmm. those situations actually built them into a stronger individual to go back and to help um, people. Yes. Thank you for um, taking that step to persevere in the uncharted territories that you've experienced throughout life. Yes, and I have one, I have a short um, passage that I would like to share um, by um, Dr. Nathan here, and it's entitled, I Am a Black Man. The evidence of anthropology now suggests that I, the black man, am the original man, the first man to walk this vast, imponderable earth. I, the black man, am an African, the exotic, single, quintessential of a universal blackness. I have lost by force my land my language, in essence, my life. I will seize it back, so help me. Toward that end, it is necessary. I will crush the corners of the earth, and this world will surely tremble. So I, the black man, the first and original man, can arm and arm with my woman, erect among the peoples of the universe, a new society, humane to its cultural core, out of which at long last will emerge as night moves into day, the first truly human being that the world has ever known. And I believe that being a black man that I have to continue to develop, identify, and be of a solution, be a token to those who are coming after me in the development of them being role models, mentors, educators, and positive individuals within the community because I am that black man. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Dayton. Um, Thank you. For sharing that with us. Um, You have just been listening to Reminisce 
with Ryan Reed. We're talking about education, health, wealth, and other events that make us whole. And that was just Dick Boyd sharing his experience about perseverance in unknown territories. Thank you.